Welcome to the Modern Wool Podcast, brought to you by Abundant Earth Fiber. We're sharing the secrets of sustainable small batch wool straight from our mill on Whidbey Island. I'm Lydia Christiansen. Thanks so much for joining us. You're listening to episode three of the Modern Wool Podcast, where we'll be discussing wool scouring. Yeah, that's washing raw wool. We'll be calling out four essential requirements for scouring. We'll talk about cold wash or fermented suet method. And we'll share three types of scouring baths that we use here at the mill. Finally, we'll talk about a few ways that you can know if your wool has been washed well. everyone, and welcome back to Modern Wool. I'm really excited to share this episode on wool scouring with you. It's been a long time in the making. I mean, we've been scouring wool here at the mill for a long time, but even before that, it was one of the first things that I learned about turning a raw fleece into yarn naturally. So in my last episode, I challenged you all to go out and find eight ounces of raw wool. My hope is that there will be some information in this episode that will move you forward on scouring that eight ounces of raw wool. Now, I'm not the kind of person who is just going to tell you what to do and you have to take my word for it. This episode is really about unpacking the scouring process and giving you information that you can customize to your own needs. So I hope by the end of this episode, you'll have a broader understanding of what scouring is and why it's such a challenge for our mills and for sustainability of small batch yarn in general. It's really one of the biggest issues related to sustainability. I mean, we're getting right to the heart of the matter on sustainability in talking about scouring. The first time I ever tried washing a fleece, I was both really excited. I mean, I was I was hyper excited about it, and I was also terrified. I was so afraid of what I didn't know that um, the only way I could have done this is with a free fleece, which is what it was. Somebody had given me a free fleece, and I knew there was going to be no risk involved that if um if the whole thing was a waste that at least i would learn something from it so anyway this first attempt i don't even know what kind of wool it was it was probably um some kind of a romney or um you know a medium grade fleece and i took it out into my yard i set up a camp stove and i remember bringing the garden hose over to where the stove was Um, But somehow I still ended up hauling buckets and buckets of water because I wanted to um, I wanted to drain off the hot water, the dirty water and carry it over to the rocks we had in our driveway, then kill the weeds and everything like that. So for my first attempt, I probably hauled about a dozen five gallon buckets of water. Um, I kept refilling and heating my camp stove. And and then I would dissolve Dawn dish soap in the water 
and put my fleece in. I don't even know how much wool I thought that I could put in the pot. I don't know, remember what I did. I just remember thinking, after having read things on the internet, I, I had the idea that, okay, well, it just if it rinses clear, then I'm good to go. And so after all these rinses and hauling all this water and draining it off, I ended up with a beautifully white, clean, felted, and greasy fleece. And then I'm, I was just left with questions. You know, how did this happen? Why is it still greasy? I rinsed it all that those times. I've asked a billion questions since then about water quality, temperature, what types of soaps to use, different methods of extraction, volume of water per weight of wool, and also disposal techniques and, and when and where and how to dispose properly of the wastewater and on and on and on. Today, I still consider the washroom one of the most complicated rooms in the whole mill. It can be one of the most expensive parts of processing just because of the amount of labor involved. For this episode, I'm going to spare you from hearing about all of my failures in scouring and cut right to the successes. I hope that the things that I've learned will save you some trouble um, from making the same mistakes that we made. Now, when we opened the mill... I had a garage full of raw wool before this mill, and I would scour outside, like I said, five to 10 pounds of wool at a time um, at my convenience. Uh, well, we went overnight from scouring five to 10 pounds at convenience to 40 to 50 pounds of wool per day. I naively thought that I had already learned to wash well at home and that this would just be scaling up my effort. I was so wrong. There was, in fact, a steep learning curve in scaling up my scouring. I was spending way too much time per fleece or per pound of wool. Um, and that doesn't scale up. I was using way too much water as well. I was over rinsing in fear of not getting everything out when that as in in the business context, that just costs way too much in time, um, not to mention the water. The water usage was more a problem with disposal. This is something um, a lot of people don't think about in terms of scaling up scouring. Disposing of water efficiently um, and cost-effectively can be a real problem for some people, depending on your city um, regulations and what you're what your setup is like. If you're on a sewer or a septic, I mean, there's all these different things that can play a role. When I washed wool at home, my water was hot when I started, but not nearly hot enough by the time I drained it off. And I was handling the wool way too much as well because of all the rinse after rinse. I was putting the wool through way too much and it was spending me way too much in time to scale up. You understand. Over time at the mill, we've observed how different types of wool behave differently in the same scouring conditions. I've learned how to incorporate our picker into the scouring process. I discovered the cold wash and fermented suet method. And even though it's only been recently that we've discovered how to actually use it efficiently in our process, 
Um, it's fascinating. We'll get to that later. I have learned that my definition of clean needed to be a little more complex as well. We're always looking to learn more about scouring efficiently. I think this is one of the topics in sustainability that requires innovation. And so I want to put this information out there to you all to come up with new ideas and ways to put these pieces together that can really be a win-win for our small farms and mills and fiber artists who value small batch yarn. Scouring matters a whole lot. It's kind of a nerdy topic. I get that. And and I am definitely going to nerd out on this episode, but it matters a lot. Let me take you backstage into the mind of um, our cottage mill owners and also our fiber farmers who are trying to utilize the services at cottage mills. One of the number one concerns that I hear over and over and over from fiber farms and small businesses who are trying to utilize cottage mills is that the cost of shipping raw wool is nearly prohibitive. When you add up the cost of services, um, the the loss or the yield of your clean product versus the, the raw that you ship, it all adds up into a cost per skein, right? The shipping costs right now are incredibly high. And so shipping raw wool across the country to your mills can be a cost prohibitive piece of the puzzle. Now, from the perspective of a cottage mill owner, the cost of labor in scouring from what, from what I've experienced and also from other mills that I've talked to is often a break even at best. In some cases, it's a loss and that's not uncommon and that's a problem. The scouring has to get done. If we're going to make use of our small batch raw wool, we have to clean it efficiently and effectively. It's not that the tasks involved in scouring are particularly difficult. It's that there are so many variables at play and the tools and techniques accessible both at home or at our small mills can vary wildly. What's difficult is simplifying things into an efficient and effective way so that scouring can be a profitable venture, a win-win for both our farms and our mills. That's the golden question. How do we put these pieces together and modernize the way farms and mills work together on the task of both choosing quality wool and skirting it and scouring it? That is the question. Now, as I said, I'm not here to tell you how to do things. I would like to share with you what we know, what we've learned, and with the disclaimer that we know there's a lot more to learn. Your questions, your ideas, your insights can lead to innovations that really make a difference in this area. We are always open to hearing them. So in our scouring experience, we've observed four essential requirements that can be applied in a lot of different ways. I'll tell you what they are, and then I'll share with you how we like to use them. But as I've said, consider these elements in your own applications and 
will only increase our understanding of each other and possibly lead us all to better and better innovations. All right, the four essential requirements for scouring wool are a proper vessel, what container are you going to use? Now I'll come back and explain each of these. Uh, second is hot water. Third, soap, which really is a conversation about pH. And finally, extraction, which is both getting the wastewater out of the fleece in a timely way and then disposing of it properly. All right. <clears throat> Let's go back and talk about the vessel that you're going to be scouring in. I have heard so many different, so many different vessels. Uh, I've heard the bathtub. I've heard washing machines, kitchen sink, pots and pans, of course, slow cookers, um, five-gallon buckets, any, any kind of basin or bin that you can find outside. Um, the vessel that works the best not only will hold the amount of water that you need to submerge the wool, but it will also have a good mechanism for extraction. Okay, so just finding a tub big enough is not necessarily mean the, the best type of vessel to use. We'll come back to that. Now, different types of wool will handle different volume of water differently. But as a general rule, so a baseline to begin, um, think about two gallons of water per pound of wool. And you can adjust that based on your discretion. The wool needs to be fully submerged and have a little bit of elbow room. It doesn't need a ton, but a little bit. The finer the wool, the more elbow room you want to work with. All right, I hope that made sense. What we use are old Maytag washing machines. They're not, they're not working as washing machines anymore. We've altered them. There's no agitation. There's no pump involved. We've rigged them so they have a gravity drain that, that releases into a filter box before going into our septic. So, I mean, like I said, this is a complicated room in our mill, and we've had to go to great lengths to set this up. But the machine itself is just an old Maytag. I mean, it's simple mechanics. I like for home use, a large pot or pan that can be drained off into a laundry spinner. The combination of a good vessel and a good method of extraction will work well. All right, let's talk about hot water. To get the lanolin out, you've got to, it's got to melt and be able to flush through and out. That now, there's a whole long conversation we could have about temperature here. Lanolin as an isolated material melts at about 100 degrees. It's actually somewhere between 100 and 110 degrees Fahrenheit. But think about how it is placed on the fleece. The sheep secretes lanolin through its skin to surround each individual fiber. So the lanolin has a greater surface area to cover on a fine wool fleece than it does on a coarse wool fleece. A coarse wool fleece generally requires a lower temperature than a fine wool fleece. 
because of the amount of surface area that needs to be dissolved. It's a relationship between the amount of time needed for the wool to absorb the water and the amount of surface area of lanolin that needs to be dissolved. So when you're doing fine wool fleeces, I have not seen it done effectively under 140 degrees. Now, if you're working outside and possibly inside, this could happen too, and you start your water temperature at 140 degrees, then you let it soak for 20 minutes. It takes another three to five minutes to drain it off. You've lost the benefit of your heat in dissolving the lanolin. And what you're left with is clean, greasy wool, like I did on the first time I washed wool and many times after that. But still, the heat is best, is most effectively used when you're able to drain it off at a temperature high enough to flush out all that lanolin, which I said is relative to the surface area of lanolin on the fleece. And that is typically, you know, related to the coarseness of the wool. (sighs) That's a lot. (laughs) All of the information that I'm sharing with you is based on our experience and observation and also conversations that we've had with other mills about their experiences and their observations. Based on that, I recommend that if you're not sure what temperature to use. You know, if you know you can use a a cooler temperature, then do that. But if you're not sure, set your water temperature somewhere between 140 and 160 degrees. And in the time it takes you to accomplish all the scouring, that temperature will have dropped, but you should still be high enough to be able to flush out the lanolin. I know it's not a simple thing to just open the tap and pour out 140 degree water. Even um, residential water heaters may not go that high. As a general rule, at room temperature, I expect to lose about 10 degrees every five minutes. Use that information in helping you decide the right way to do this. If you're out working outside, you may want to start with the water even a little hotter because I think the conditions outside will cause that water to cool even faster. Um, An easy way to measure water temperature outside without fussing with a thermometer is to bring your water up to boil, which you know is 212, take it off the heat, and then let it cool down to the temperature that you're going for. If you want a cooler temperature like 120, maybe let it cool for 15 minutes. If you want to work with one of the higher temperatures and you're working with a fine wool, Um, maybe only give it five minutes. Okay, just as a suggestion. All right, we've talked about the vessel. We've talked about hot water. The third essential requirement for scouring wool is soap. Somehow you need to elevate the pH in order to cut the grease. Um, Now, this, it's true that in cold wash fermented suet method, you can clean the fiber without using soap, but that method doesn't cut the grease. And cutting the grease with soap saves you in time and in water and energy. So if if you're heating the water, I mean. So soap 
is an important tool for efficiency. Like I said earlier, soap is really a conversation about pH. It's true that protein fibers will degrade over time when they're exposed to elevated pH. Okay? They like to be in a neutral in a neutral six and a half zone, right? Soaps will elevate the pH anywhere from eight and a half, nine, all the way up to 11, possibly higher if you're using a harsh detergent. Leaving the wool in soap for a long time, it seems to me, would be a risk factor. So you want to choose a soap to your preference, whatever you like. But just be mindful of how harsh it might be and also how you're going to get it off the fiber and effectively neutralize it when you're done. Soaps, I have tried so many, so many, many soaps. At home, um, liquid dish detergent, there's nothing more accessible and safe and gentle. I mean, it's, it's, it's the best option for home use without having to go out and buy something. Um, Unicorn Power Scour is one of my favorite commercial brands of wool soap. Um, it's just delightful. It's like a luxury soap, kind of. Um, in comparison with um, liquid dish soap, Unicorn Power Scour, powdered laundry detergent is very effective. And most of us have some form of laundry detergent at home as well. It does, you it does effectively create a higher pH than liquid dish soap in the tests that I've done. We create these different scouring baths and then I have a pH meter that I'll dip in and just take a quick look at at how high the pH is. I don't do that on every bath, but when I'm trying to compare a new soap or I want to evaluate how much soap I'm using, I will use that tool. So um, a gentle dish soap will raise the pH around eight or nine. And I really like that. Um, I find that it's it has way more suds than powdered laundry soap. Um, laundry detergent is more harsh, maybe up to like 10, 10 and a half. Um, but it doesn't suds the way liquid soap does. So it's easier to handle in a large, you know, full fleece quantity scouring bath. Just something to think about. Like I said, my favorite tool for home use is liquid dish soap. And I prefer in doing a large batch, I prefer a powdered laundry detergent. Um, Actually, that's not true. My favorite, favorite soap to use in large scale is my own blend. It's a homemade concoction of like natural soap and um and a few other things. Uh, you can find um, homemade detergent recipes online pretty easily. You can just find one that you like, add in a few drops of essential oil, and you've got a really lovely wool scouring detergent to use. Anyway, the point is the soap doesn't matter all that much. There's very little difference in comparison between the soaps. Choose one that you like. Choose one that you um, feel comfortable with on your own skin and that you might already readily have in your household. You're going to want to rinse it out 
and or neutralize it anyway. So if you do choose one that is on the harsher side, don't don't fret about it. You'll be able to rinse that out and you can always add a little vinegar or citric acid to drop the pH and neutralize the um, any residue in the final bath. How much soap you should use depends on how much wool you're washing and also how dirty is it? How much grease are you going to be cutting? So that's something to think about. If you're doing an eight ounce quantity of wool, so here's for a baseline. For eight ounces of wool, I would use one tablespoon of liquid dish soap, okay? And in the rinse bath, I would use one tablespoon of vinegar to neutralize any possible residue. Okay, that brings us to the fourth requirement for scouring wool. We've covered the vessel. We've covered hot water. We've covered soap. Extraction. Somehow, you've got to get that wastewater off the fleece while it's still hot and into a safe disposal flow, okay? If you have a septic and you're washing indoor, like you're going to be draining it through your home, it's kind of risky. I've, there's, there's references online for both success and failure in this way. And to me, that sounds like not worth it. That, that's a really huge risk. Now, my feeling is that it's the hair in the grit that causes the most risk on a septic system. Lanolin itself is a biodegradable thing, so it should be able to pass through the system and degrade in the leach lines just fine. But when it clogs with hair and grit, it sort of acts like concrete, and that um, can cause a really um, big problems in septic if you're not filtering it out somehow. There are filter options that you can install in your home drains that goes right under the sink. I even heard about one by the by a company called The Laundry Alternative, who we've bought things from in the past, um, have a wall mount filter for your washing machine. There's filter options out. Now, I'm not recommending that you wash raw wool in your washing machine. I have heard of people doing it. It sounds terrifying to me, but if you're on a septic, I would not recommend washing wool in the house without a filter installed. We we have a filter installed in ours. Nothing passes into our septic without catching the hair in the grit and keeping it separate. Um, and I believe we use a 100 micron filter bag on that. Think about your disposal. If you're on a sewer, if your land has certain requirements, your city has certain requirements, take all these into um, factor all these things in and and think about your disposal. I will say that the wastewater from scouring has been really um, good for our plants. I started pouring it on my potted plants and in my garden, and it seems like they love it. I mean, it's like they're just shining the day after. You know, if there's some way to contain it and let it cool, Maybe it could be a drip system for a garden or something like that. Every city has different rules. Communities have different rules. Houses are built with different systems and disposal in place. You have to discover what's right for you, but it is something worth your attention to think about, especially if you're planning on washing wool 
um, more than once or even, you know, annually, whatever. Okay, here's just a few cautions for the home scouring setup. When you're choosing your vessel, think about both the amount of uh, water you need to hold and how it's going to be extracted. The combination of being large enough and also having some means of either draining off, pouring off, or flushing out is really important. I'm specifically thinking of the bathtub. Okay, guys, the bathtub is not the place you really want to wash raw wool. First of all, it's, it's, it's kind of gross. Yeah, you can clean it out and whatnot, but the extraction method in the bathtub is your drain. And it moves very slowly. It's, it's not the best way to get all that wastewater off the fleece. Sometimes by the time it's finished draining, the water's cooled enough that it leaves a layer of dirt and grime still on the fleece rather than flushing it out down the drain. Uh, my second caution for the home scouring setup is drying. We didn't bring that into the conversation yet, but just think it, think ahead. If you're washing a full fleece, you'll need somewhere that you can lay that whole thing out and let it dry so there's airflow both on the top and on the bottom. When I was washing in my yard at home, at home, I used our tramp. I used my kids' trampoline. It was big, and on a sunny day, airflow would pass through both sides, and my wool would be dry before the evening. So I like that. I've tried different types of mesh fabric clean out. Um, we now have hardware cloth on our dry racks that my husband built with um, wood frames and hardware cloth installed. Also, um, we've used chicken fencing, the plastic chicken fencing, not the metal. St the metal stuff's a little, um, the wool gets caught up on it a lot. But the plastic chicken fencing zip tied to um, metal shelving. We've used that too, and that works fine. You Be creative. Come up with a system that works for you. But keep in mind, the volume of wool that you're washing will need to be dried somewhere. And it should take a day or two to dry. I mean, if you're taking longer than that to dry fully, um, you either need to raise the heat, put more uh, fans on it, or spread it out thinner. If it's clumped up and the moisture sticks in there, it'll start to smell bad, you know. So think about drying. And one more thing on that, if you're washing five pounds of wool, Average, the the middle of the road expectation is that you're going to get 50% back. Coarser wools have a higher yield. Finer wools typically have a lower yield. And the average is between 40 and 60% of the raw wool. So anyway, start with 50 as your guideline expectation. And as you have gained experience and nuance, you'll start to understand when to expect more and when to expect less. So anyway, if you're washing the, okay, and the average fleece is 10 to 12 pounds. Now that's average among all the breeds. A Shetland fleece averages two or three pounds, right? So keep in mind, these are averages, but the average fleece is 10 to 12 pounds. If you wash all of that wool, you might expect five to six pounds of clean wool. And that's at least three sweaters, right? 
So keep that in mind. What is this clean fiber going to become? And how much do you really want around? So I recommended eight ounces as a place to start because that's a nice project size quantity. Half of eight ounces is four ounce. That's about one skein. Maybe you have a hat and a pair of mitts, um, you know. So you just because you have a full fleece to wash doesn't mean you have to wash it all at once. Think about how it's going to be used, how you're going to dry it, and, you know, what pace you really want to work through this. There's another piece of the scouring puzzle that I am just fascinated with. It's the fermented suent method, or also known as the cold wash. Now, way back when, when I was learning how to skirt fiber, again, out in my yard, I had gone through a few white fleeces. I'd left little bits of wool on the grass because it started to rain, and I had to get that wool off the skirting table and back in the house where it was dry. And I just left all those bits of wool on the grass. It rained all night. And when I came out in the morning, it was there were these just beautifully sparkling, clean, bright white locks of wool on my yard. And I, I just fell in love with those little locks. And I asked myself the question, how can these locks be so clean when I have just been struggling <laughs> for hours and hours to clean wool here in my garden? And one night in the rain and, and they looked perfect, right? This little find led me to discovering the fermented suet method. I started looking into how did people wash wool before detergents and equipment and things like that. Fermented suet, I don't think it's really a fermentation process. I'm not sure where that name originated, um, but I have also heard it called cold wash. All you need to do for this to work is soak the wool in cold water or warm water, whatever. The temperature doesn't matter. That's the point. Submerge the wool in water. It'll create an anaerobic environment where the suint or the salts secreted on the fleece, the sweat, dried sweat, combine with the lanolin, the grease, to saponify. It makes its own soap. And within 24 hours, you have a clean fleece. Now, I've read all kinds of information about this, and I've tried it dozens of different ways based on different recommendations. In my findings, there's very little additional benefit from soaking the wool past 24 hours. And some people say, well, if you do that, then the water becomes richer and better and more effective for the next one and you can reuse it. I haven't really enjoyed doing that and I don't see a huge benefit in it. So I do not reuse my suet bath and I don't want to. I soak the wool for 24 hours. I drain it off, spin it out and let the wool dry. Once the wet wool is exposed to an aerobic environment, there's oxygen, um, it kills whatever that terrible smell is when it comes out of the water. And it is bad. It kills that smell and it never comes back. So 24 hours in underwater, 
and then somewhere to dry completely. Like I said before, it should take a day or two for complete drying. Um, And then you have this clean wool. It does not extract all the lanolin, but in decades past, centuries past, extracting all the lanolin wasn't necessarily the goal. It wasn't, it wasn't necessary. And lanolin does have uses. When you're spinning singles, now I'm specifically thinking of the Navajo churro um, hand-spun yarn that went to these incredible rugs and weavings. That lanolin contributes to the stability of the single and the end use of the yarn being in these rugs. It has value. In processing at a mill, the goal is no lanolin at all because it, the grease tends to build up on the machines and cause problems for other batches and for also for the machines themselves. It takes us more time in cleaning. Um, there's all kinds of deterrents. So we prefer small batches or any anywhere that's running wool through machines prefers zero lanolin. We've landed on three types of scouring baths that we use here at the mill, and we use them in different combinations for different reasons, but they work together, in my opinion, as an efficient and effective way to scour wool and maintain some control over the outcome. I mean, to protect the minimally processed textures that we create at the mill, you have to accept that there is some nuance also in scouring from fleece to fleece. To be able to roll with the variations rather than trying to force them into a one-size-fits-all method is what these scouring methods are all about. So here they are, three simple types of scouring baths that will afford you some flexibility and control over the outcome. Before I jump in, I want to let you know there's a video tutorial coming soon to demonstrate each of these three baths. I really want to show you how it's done so you can see it done in in real time at least once before you get your hands dirty. I'll be doing my demonstrations using eight ounces of wool, and I've been playing with different types of wool. I'm not sure yet which one's going to land in the video, but um, it's going to be really interesting, and I hope you'll have a chance to watch that. The other benefit to these three types of scouring baths that I'm going to tell you about is that they can be scaled up with the right equipment for full fleece method or even full clip. So with the right equipment, these baths can be applied to project size, fleece size, and clip size quantities of wool. All right, here they are. They're not going to come too much as a surprise. They are the cold wash, the hot soap, and the hot rinse. The cold wash is just a soak in clean water for 24 hours, drain it off, and let it dry. The hot soap is the appropriate temperature for your fiber. I recommend starting at 140 degrees if you're not sure. Dissolving the right amount of soap for your fiber and then submerging the fiber for no more than 10 minutes so that you maintain the heat. That's the hot soap. The hot rinse would be a neutralizing bath and the final rinse, okay, to get any residue off. Same temperature as the soap, 
In an industrial setting, wool passes typically through five, sometimes six baths. And because we're cutting it down to three, keeping the temperature up on that third bath, I think really helps with that efficiency. The other pro tip that makes these three baths really efficient and, and, and able to work well together is picking. I thought picking was a part of the carding process. It's more effectively used in part of the scouring process. Wool should be picked before it goes into any bath. So before you go into the cold wash, you'll have skirted the fiber and coarsely picked. And then it goes in the cold wash. Once that's dry and you've prepared the hot soap bath, once again, you pick the fiber. Maybe while the water is heating or while you're getting it ready, um, again, the amount of time it takes to pick fiber should not be longer than the time it takes to prepare your water. If it is, then you're spending too much time picking. Maybe you're getting a little too um, caught up in the minutia of it. Don't, don't worry that much. Just pick as much as you can. Take a handful in your left hand and use your right hand to pull it out of your left hand. Um, and then just work quickly in about the time it takes to prepare the water. When that wool is cool enough to handle and you prepare your hot rinse, the same thing once again, you open those fibers. Every time you pick them open with your hands, you're allowing some of the um, surface area on the fiber to be exposed to the scouring baths, and it makes a more efficient scouring overall. Can you use a picking tool? Um, sure, absolutely. Be careful on your fine wools. Picking tools can be really harsh, um, especially if uh, you're running through an electric picker or something like that. We don't machine pick everything. The amount of time it takes us to hand pick a fleece is about the same time as it takes for our water to fill in, in our bath. So um, it's efficient for us. And I think it is gentler on the fiber for us to do it by hand. So that's how we do it. But use your discretion on the quality of, of your own fiber. If you want a clean fleece with lots of lanolin, do the cold wash only. If you want a clean fleece with some lanolin, but maybe not a ton, minimal, do a cold wash and a hot rinse with no soap. And you don't need the vinegar either. As we said before, you don't need that if you're not using soap. And for no lanolin, use all three. Do a cold wash, let it dry, put it through a hot soap bath, and then follow that with a hot rinse to neutralize the pH, adding um, vinegar or citric or something like that. Okay, it's it makes it sound so simple, right? The cold wash, the hot soap, and the hot rinse baths can be tools in getting that raw fiber clean and onto your knitting noodle, knitting noodles, <laughs> knitting needles. Finally, let's have a quick chat about how you can tell whether your scouring was effective. Is the wool clean? Now, rule of thumb for, for all mills is it's clean if all the lanolin is out. Scouring wool is not like other cleaning tasks around the house. 
our standards for cleanliness, like when it comes to a crisp white shirt or a sparkling set of wine glasses, a dust-free sitting room, these are not parallel standards for scouring raw wool. A fleece isn't going to go from the wash tub or the dry racks to your bedspread. It doesn't come out of the wash and straight into the sitting room. There's a lot more work to be done on it, and each step of processing wool contributes to its finished cleanliness. If you have a fleece that seems to have vegetable matter in it, uh, you know, obviously, I'm not saying if it's overburdened with it, but if, if it, there's clearly vegetable matter in there, as long as you get the grease out, it's okay if that vegetable matter is still in there before you cart it, because as long as the grease is out, those locks will separate smoothly and easily and the vegetable matter will fall out in carding. It get, it'll get out one way or the other if the grease is out. If the grease remains in the fleece, it will be much harder to let go of all of that other dry dirt or debris. So each step of processing is affected by how well the wool has been scoured. Here are three quick pro tips to tell using your senses whether you got the grease out. Lanolin has a distinctive smell to it. It's a good smell. It's not a bad smell. It's different from the smell of a raw fleece because there's lots going on in a raw fleece. Lanolin has a distinctive odor that kind of hits you in the back of your sinuses. Um, Get familiar with that isolated smell of lanolin. The smell sometimes alone can tell you if there's lanolin still in a fleece. Touch. If you take a greasy fleece, even if it's clean and it still has lanolin in it, and rub it through your fingers, um, maybe spin a little bit of it, um, just rub it on your skin. If it's greasy still, you'll see a you'll see a shine on your skin. You can sometimes feel it um, as the fibers are harder to separate, but you can also rub it on your skin and see if it'll it'll sort of buff your skin. <laughs> it'll buff your skin. Um, and another pro tip, a way to tell if your scouring was effective is look at the watercolor on that final hot rinse. If there's any milkiness to it, an opaque sort of white milkiness, that is lanolin. If you see that in your final rinse, make a mental note that you might need to do a second hot rinse. You will not be able to tell if there's lanolin in the fleece when the fiber is wet. You have to wait for it to dry. And then you can test the smell, rub it through your fingers, um, and keep a note on the color of the final rinse bath, and that will give you a heads up maybe if you have to do an extra rinse later. All right, so all of you out there who managed to find eight ounces of wool, it's time to get to work. Start with a cold wash and go from there. And if you want to wait for the video tutorial to come out, just watch our website or get on our newsletter. We'll send a notice out through that as well. It's coming soon, and then you'll be able to see it done in real time before you get your hands dirty. In working with raw wool, our fiber farms, our cottage mills, fiber artists, we're coming together around this common raw material. 
and understanding what it needs and how it behaves, how we as humans can work with it to get it clean, is a problem worth solving. It's something worth modernizing. There's something really remarkable about connecting with any raw material of any kind. It's a primal sense of satisfaction. It fills us with a sense of belonging. The bottom line is, this is our earth. These are our resources. They're here for us. They're here for us to struggle with and to learn from with all of our senses. This is our earth, and we belong here. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Lydia Christiansen, and this has been another episode of the Modern Wool Podcast, brought to you by Abundant Earth Fiber.